You're listening to the Chocolate Milk Podcast with your host, Rahil. From NHL hot takes to international stories about the world of hockey, you'll find all your hockey-related content here on the Chocolate Milk Podcast. I think it's very fair to say that a lot has happened since episode one of the Chocolate Milk Podcast has released. Um, the Stanley Cup Conference Finals are over. The Stanley Cup Finals have begun. There has been a game played in the Stanley Cup Finals, which we will talk about. There's been some off-season news as well. Um, there's been some signings. There's been some rumors. There's been some rumors debunked, all that fun stuff. And there's been some personal news. So uh, we're going to get into all that here on episode two of the Chocolate Milk Podcast with Rahil. Yes, I am your host, Rahil. Thank you so much for joining me, you guys. Before we get into the hockey news, um, I have a bit of a personal announcement as I I'd like as I said earlier, as I'd like to say, but as I said earlier, um, so I am live on Twitch. Uh, if you don't know what Twitch is, it's a streaming platform for uh, people to stream video games as well as other like IRL in real life content. Um, so I am on there at the Real Chocolate Thunder. Uh, you can catch me there. Um, Twitch has reached out to me recently because I have been streaming a lot of video games, but I've started to focus more on streaming uh, sports, and I've been live reacting to uh, we live we live reacted to the Euro game between Portugal and Belgium, um, and we been doing almost we've basically been doing every Habs game um minus a couple I haven't been able to do I've been live streaming my live reaction um so Twitch has reached out to me and has basically said we are interested in growing our uh Twitch sports category so we have a program called the Twitch sports uh accelerator program and we'd like for you to join it so after talking with Twitch doing some more research and all that kind of stuff um I've officially signed the contract with them um it starts in July so I am super excited for that um basically it is a great program where there's lots of uh, ways and stuff to help you grow your sports talk content, um, grow in the sports category, grow my channel, and make some money on the side as well. So I am looking forward to doing that on Twitch. Again, it's at the Real Chocolate Thunder. Um, going forward, again, I can't do hockey. 24/7 on the channel because then the off season is going to be there and I'm going to be streaming like, hey, I'm bored. Nothing's going on. I'm just going to, I should just live or stream myself just sitting there waiting for a signing to happen in like the middle of August. That would be absolutely so entertaining. Peak content. <laughs> no, but of course, we're going to do multiple sports. Um, I think the four I'm going to focus on are soccer because I do love soccer, um, the NFL and football because um, NFL is awesome. We'll probably do some live reactions to uh, maybe some Sunday night or Monday night games. Um, we're going to be doing some baseball as well because uh, my favorite team, the Toronto Blue Jays, have been doing good. And I think this is a good season to talk about baseball because, I mean, there's been lots going on. You got Acuna Jr. who's been doing great. You got Vladdy Jr. who's doing great. Shohei Otani's been doing amazing. There's all these uh, scandals about the sticky stuff with pitchers and the no-hitters thrown. It's just been a good season for baseball. So I'd like to talk more about that on the stream on Twitch. But, of course, hockey is going to be there. Uh, fairly prevalent as well. I wouldn't be... I would, it's safe to say that, I think. But, um, again, twitch.tv slash Thunder. You can drop me a follow there. It costs no money to follow me. So, uh, yeah. Thank you guys for doing that. Um, if you haven't, or if you're not doing it, that's okay. I, I, I still appreciate you guys. I still appreciate you guys. It's okay. But, enough about the personal news. Let's get into what happened in the Stanley Cup playoffs you guys so when we left off on our last episode uh the tampa bay lightning and the new york islanders were still playing and uh 
the Islanders did force a game seven. Um, unfortunately, Tampa won that game one to nothing. Very boring score um, for a game seven from a neutral fan perspective. Um, for the Islanders, I'm sure it's a frustrating score uh, for Tampa. I mean, hey, you're like, hey, we scored one goal and we won. I'm happy. But Tampa wins one nothing in game seven. They move on to the Stanley Cup finals. Um, First thing, Islanders fans, you should be damn proud of your team. Um, you guys had a amazing run, and I think this—they uh, had a good run last year. They had a good run this year. I don't think this is a fluke, and I don't think you guys have anything to be disappointed about. I know it's frustrating. Like in a game seven, you don't score. Um, even the Leafs did that. I mean, come on, at least they got one goal, right? <laughs> no, but regardless, you guys played amazing. Um, I would not be surprised to see you guys back here next year. And going forward, I mean, who knows? Maybe the Islanders retool here and there a couple pieces, and uh, next thing you know, they're in the finals. I have a couple Islanders friends who uh, I know uh, would definitely love to see that. So uh, respect to the Islanders. Great series overall. Small thing to add at the end of that series, what happened. Uh, so Tampa obviously won the Prince of Wales trophy, the Eastern Conference uh, trophy. Um, they touched it. Ooh, bad, 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 bad. Um, they touched it last year and they won. They touched it again this year. I think the whole thing about touching the trophy, not touching the tr trophy is just silly. If I'm being honest, I get it. But like, I also don't get it. Cause it's like, dude, it's just a trophy. Like you're not going to ruin your chances of winning a Stanley cup just by touching a trophy. If you ask me personally, there's some players who I bet you, um, now that they've retired, they're like, damn, I wish I touched that trophy. Cause I never got, I didn't win the cup. It would have been nice to at least touch a trophy. I'm, I'm sure there's players out there who have said that. And I know it's like a, you didn't win it all trophy, but you still won a trophy. You were the best team in your conference. I think that's worth like, you know, yeah, I'm going to touch the trophy. The whole superstition behind it is just uh, a little silly if you ask me. But uh, so Tampa advances. Wow. Shocked. No one saw that coming. Biggest upset. Biggest underdog story of the year. Tampa deservedly getting into the conference or getting into the Stanley Cup finals, even though they're $18 million over the cap, which I don't blame Tampa for doing because I think that whole cap situation um, is ridiculous, if I'm being honest, but I don't blame Tampa for it being ridiculous. I blame the NHL. Yes, NHL. I blame you. It is your fault that this is happening. There is a loophole that allows teams to basically just go over the salary cap in the playoffs and it doesn't matter and personally i find that silly i don't understand why you have a rule during the regular season that says you are not allowed to go over x amount of dollars in your salaries and then in the playoffs when it actually matters the league just goes at eh. Who cares? Doesn't matter. That I understand other sports have luxury tax and like, yeah, maybe the NHL should look into that and kind of things. You can say anything you want. You, If you have a salary cap in the regular season, it should be enforced during the playoffs. I don't care if salaries have already been paid. I don't care if like, oh, well, you know what? Like, what if people get injured in LTIR and stuff like that? What's the point of having the salary cap then for the 82 games that don't matter? Like, that's ridiculous if you ask me. The NHL needs to change that. I don't think a change will come anytime soon. I think one will come, um, but I think that's kind of like a CBA thing that the NHL has to work along and try and sort out. Um, so we'll see if anything changes there. But uh, Tampa, $18 million over the cap. It's frustrating, but you know what? They deserve to be here. They're a great team. They're a complete team. They're the most complete team in hockey, and that's why they're here. I mean, hey, what can you do? But moving on to the other conference finals, my Montreal Canadiens beat the Vegas Golden Knights 3-2 in overtime at home, game six, 
to advance. And oh my goodness, you guys. I am shocked. I am still shocked. The Habs have already played game one. They lost game one. We'll get into that later. I'm still in shock and I'm still pretty happy. I know everyone's like, well, your team just lost game one. Like, why the hell are you happy? That makes no sense. I'm still happy because I didn't expect my team to get here. And that's what the biggest shock of this whole thing is to me. When the regular season was halfway through and the Habs were starting to slump and Gallagher got injured and then Price was out, it just didn't look like the Habs were even going to make the playoffs, really. And then they make it and you go up against Toronto, you go up against the best team in the East, or not the East, the North, sorry. You go up against the best team in the North, and I understand they have their Game 7 chokes, haha, playoffs, whatever, all that joking stuff you guys want to make fun of. Yes, they have that, but Toronto Maple Leafs were still the best team in the North Division. Montreal beats them in seven, coming back 3-1 down. You go up against Winnipeg, everyone's like, okay, Winnipeg's got it this time. Winnipeg just swept the Oilers. They got this, man. The Habs sweeped them, mopped the floor with Winnipeg, and one of the most lopsided sweeps in NHL history, statistically. Then you get to the conference finals, and oh boy, it's going to end here. You're playing Vegas, man. Vegas is a complete team. They got four lines that are good. They got a defense that is unmatched in the NHL, and Flurry's playing amazing. What does Montreal do? Montreal shuts down their forwards. Montreal finds a way to get past Flurry. Did they get lucky off of a few breaks like the Flurry turnover? Yes, but Montreal capitalized. Montreal put in the effort. They deserve to beat the Vegas Golden Knights, and they did, and they are now in the Stanley Cup Finals against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Still saying it is like, I can't believe it. It's just, it's still, I'm still in shock, and I think I'm going to be in shock for like this entire, like, final round if i'm being honest but credit to montreal they shut down vegas mainly their forwards uh vegas's leading goal scorer up front was nicholas watt with two goals in a six game series one of your middle six players led the team in scoring goals at least that is a rough look and i think vegas do need to make a move or two in the offseason to do uh, something which i'll get into later in the podcast episode but credit to montreal for shutting them down um they played a complete game during the playoffs the entire playoffs they're a team that's built for the playoffs but being built for the playoffs isn't the only thing guys the montreal canadians are clicking they're clicking at the right time, and that is the biggest thing right now going for them is they have all four lines going, their D's going, and their goalie is absolutely going. And something a little bit more special uh, and a little bit more emotional. I know what? Rahil's getting emotional. Um, I was born in 1996. I never experienced the Montreal Canadiens of the 80s and the 90s. I've seen the clips of Patrick Waugh. I've seen the clips of, like, Guy Carboneau scoring and Desjardins scoring and I always felt something but now I can really connect with those a little bit more I know that 93 team won the cup but I can connect with it by seeing my team's in the finals now too and I think for an entire generation of Montreal Canadiens fans this is something special and I know there's going to be some Leafs fans who are younger who are my age that have listened to this I'm sorry I'm not trying to trigger you but it is something special when you're finally able to connect with the history of your team and you can see, wow, like I'm seeing goals from the 90s of the Habs scoring to go to the finals. Wow, I can relate to that because my team did that and they're in that position now. And it's just helped me reconnect with the history of this team. And I feel like it's almost like a deeper um, emotional like feeling almost. I know. What the hell? Rahil's getting sappy. Oh, my God. Just shut up and talk about the Stanley Cup playoffs already, Rahil. Come on. 
Well, your wish is my command. Let's talk about the Stanley Cup Finals, you guys. So I'm recording this on Tuesday. Uh, as of yesterday, the Tampa Bay Lightning have a one to nothing series lead. Stanley Cup Finals, they won game one very convincingly, 5-1 to one over the Montreal Canadiens. Bum, 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 bum. Losing game sound effect, whatever. Um, I'm still in, I still just can't believe that Montreal Canadiens are in the same sentence as Stanley Cup, same sentence as Stanley Cup Finals. It is unbelievable to me. I, I, I'm shocked. And even though they lost, I'm still happy they're in the finals. But there is some work that needs to be done. Uh, Montreal's biggest issue in Game One, I personally think, was. I believe that when they knew they were playing the Tampa Bay Lightning, they knew it was going to be hard. No Habs fan out there believes this series is going to be easy. It's going to be a hard-fought series. We all know how good Tampa is. I think Montreal didn't anticipate how... Um, there, there's a combination I find Tampa has, and they found this combination perfectly, and I think Montreal wasn't prepared for how good Tampa has mastered this. They have mastered the combination of... Being able to be a fast, speedy team, having the physicality and the big bodies where we're not going to get pushed around. Like, you're not pushing me out of my net or you're not pushing me out of protecting my goalie that much. And the chemistry. Tampa, this, this team around Tampa has been through so much. They've been through the sweep against Columbus. They won the cup last year and another couple playoff runs here and there that like when I was watching the game last night, Tampa was passing the puck to players and like Montreal was like, oh, we're used to like, you know, Vegas was a good team, but like they didn't have like perfect chemistry. Tampa's the team with like a hundred percent chemistry and like Montreal is now was reeling off that the, the first goal, Eric uh, Chernak scores uh, defenseman's pin in a pass comes in and Chernak knows exactly where the pass is going deflects it right over Price's glove and I looked at Carey Price and he put his glove up puck goes in everyone starts celebrating he puts his glove down and the face he makes is fuck no one's been able to score on me like that before in the playoffs what the hell he was like damn this team is good not saying that Montreal didn't think Tampa was good, but it's like, it's almost like getting a taste of reality, like getting hit in the face with reality, like, shit, okay, wow, yeah, Tampa's good, but oh my god, they're this good, damn. Now, as good as Tampa was, Montreal did keep it close at times. The first period, and uh, I would say just over midway through the second, um, Tampa did have a 2-0 lead in the second, but the shots were fairly close, the scoring chances were fairly close, Price was making some big saves, that is a... Good spot to be in if you're Montreal, aside from the score. Obviously, I mean, easier said than done. You're losing to nothing. But Montreal scores. Chirac gets a lucky bounce to make it 2-1. to one, And the game kind of felt a little closer from that point. The shots were still close. The chances were still close. Towards the end of the second and the third period is when Montreal lost this game. That's when they started to get flat. They started to make mistakes on their own. Tampa was forcing mistakes, but they were also making mistakes on their own, just not even being pressured at all. And if Montreal is going to win game two and go back to Montreal with a tied series, which is what I think they need if they're going to win the Stanley Cup, they need to learn from those mistakes. They need to adjust and basically realize, okay, Tampa has everything going for them. They're the perfect team. They have the speed. They have the physicality and the chemistry. We need to adjust for that. How do you adjust for that? I don't know. I'm not a head coach. I don't play in the NHL or work for the NHL. That being said, though, hey, NHL, if you uh, if you want to hire me, my DMs on Twitter are open. You can slide right in. But uh, Montreal needs to adapt to those uh, mistakes. They need to not make those mistakes. 
I do think they will do that. I think game one was almost like a shock and a reality smack in the face of, okay, okay, this is Tampa. They're good. Holy shit. They're really, really good. Oh my God. We just lost five to one. I think they will bounce back. Um, they lost game one against Vegas and they bounced back. They lost four to one against Vegas though, but still I kind of see that tenacity and that ability to regroup and bounce back in Montreal. So I think they will do that in game two. Um, but these things definitely need to happen. Those mistakes cannot happen if you're going to go back to Montreal with a tied series. But the shots again were close and all that kind of stuff. So like, well, what happened, Rahil? If the shots were close, if everything was tight and like the game was tight, how did Montreal lose this game? Like what cost Montreal the game? I know you said they played flat, but like how are they playing flat? I think that at one point in the second, I think when Tampa made it three to one, Montreal started playing like they didn't want to lose. And I know you're like, well, that's obvious. You obviously don't want to lose. But there's a huge difference between playing like you don't want to lose and playing like you want to win. Ask any Montreal Canadiens fan during this season. This team has had moments where they've played like they don't want to lose. And it's cost them games. It's cost them multiple times. And I think it cost them in game one against Tampa. They just seemed like, hey, oh no, like... This, this is a problem. We're, we're, we're losing, guys. And instead of like, you know what? Like, let's play. Let's go win this game. That we're playing like, oh, we don't want to lose. We don't want to lose. Oh, my God. And then they started getting chippy against Tampa. They started taking penalties against Tampa. And I do think that the Montreal Canadiens do need to get under Tampa's skin a little bit if you're going to win this series. The problem is, is that cannot be your only game plan. If you are going out there and you're playing like you don't want to lose, and you're playing with this chippiness, you're playing with this, you're trying to get under their skin, you're trying to hit Kucherov a little bit extra, and all these other things, you're not going to win. You need to have that chippy, feisty attitude, but you need it as a side dish. Think about like, okay, if the Montreal Canadiens are a main dish, and this is the main dish they need to win, you want this you want a side you want a small side serving like like a baked potato or a mashed potatoes or like a Brussels sprouts with bacon of that feisty chippy getting under their skin gameplay. What you want your main part of your meal to be is you need to be fast, which Montreal can be and they showed they could be. You need to capitalize on anything Tampa gives you and you need to play like you want to win. Not like you want to lose. You need to play like I want to win this game. I want to go back to Montreal with this series tied at one in the Bell Center with Rahil in the Bell Center cheering on my team, which, yeah, by the way, guys, um, I am going to be going to Montreal. Quick side plug. Um, I'm going to Montreal for games three and four. I probably I'm not going I'm not probably I'm definitely not going to go to both games live because I am not a rich millionaire, but I am planning to go to one of the games, game three or four. Still waiting for tickets to come out as of right now, but the hotel is booked. Me and the lady are going up. I am very excited. I would be very, very excited if the Montreal Canadiens could make it a two to one. Sorry, not two to one. Oh my god. I mean, I'd love for them to do that too. But let's 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 focus on baby steps here. Montreal, play good on Wednesday. Play like you want to win. Have the speed. Have all that as your main course and then have the side dish or the dessert of we're going to get under their skin. You will win game two if you play like that. Come back to Montreal tied at one with likely more than 3,500 fans per the recent uh, reports as of today. 
You got tons of fans in that Bell Center. If it's back 1-1 and I'm Tampa, I'm going to be honest with you guys, that's going to be a freaking tough game for Tampa to play. With all those fans in the Bell Center, with the atmosphere of that city, it is going to be so hard to play. Tampa could win, though. Tampa could easily win. But it is going to be intimidating, but it's going to be fun. Habs, pull it off, please. Win it in game two. Bring it home tied. But regardless of if the Tampa Bay Lightning win the Stanley Cup or the Montreal Canadiens pull it off and win the Stanley Cup, one thing for certain is there's going to be more NHL offseason news going on during the Stanley Cup Finals. I'm going to bring you guys the most notable news and just kind of go over some of the stuff that's gone on. Um, so the first one that is uh, fairly noticeable is uh, Wayne Simmons has re-signed in Toronto. He signed a two-year deal worth $1.8 mil. That's $900,000 AAV. Um, great deal for Toronto. Uh, they got him back at a very, very good price for them, a very affordable price. Um, what I'm curious about here is what that contract means for Seattle. I'm not saying Seattle's going to take him because, I mean, I would rather have Kerfoot over Simmons, but I wonder if Simmons is a little sweetener and they give Seattle Simmons and a pick and they go, or they give Seattle a pick and go take Simmons instead or something like that. So that's an interesting uh, one to leave off, but Simmons is back in Toronto for two more years. Another off-season re-signing uh, happens to occur in another Canadian market. It's with the Edmonton Oilers and Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Uh, there were rumors that he was going to test uh, the free agent market, but he has locked up now a eight-year deal worth $5 million annually. Um, it's a fairly, fairly good deal for uh, Edmonton. They do sign him for long-term, which... Uh, obviously I'm assuming the player wanted, but I mean that $5 AAV, that's a, that's a very salary, uh, cap friendly contract. And as well, um, that AAV is good for Nuge. I'm sure he's happy with the deal. The Edmonton locks up a good number two center behind McDavid. Good AAV. Um, what's interesting is I thought Nuge might've gotten a bit more. Um, it looks like he might've taken a bit of a discount to get the longer years, um, and the longer contract. I'm also surprised that Nuja New, uh, Hopkins decided, you know what? I'm not going to test the, uh, NHL, uh, free agent market. Um, with everything going on, uh, in Edmonton, I don't think anyone would have really been surprised if uh, Nuja Hopkins said to Edmonton, you know what, listen, I'm interested in signing with you guys, but just based off of the lack of su success this uh, team has had, I am going to be looking at some other markets and other options before I make a decision. Um, it, he didn't even bother doing that. He just signed in Edmonton, which is interesting, I believe. Um, but another thing that is kind of surprising is that AAV, I mean, 5 million, I know he's eight years, so it is a longer term, but 5 million per year seems pretty low for a player like Nuge. Nuge is a very good player. It looks like, um, based off of analytics and just the eye test. If you do the, just the general eye test, um, why I wonder if this AAV is because of the pandemic and the salary cap, uh, implications as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, maybe Nuge could have gotten more money. But Edmonton was like, hey, this is what we can do given the cap. And they said, you know what? And uh, Nuge is just like, I'll just take the security. I'll take the eight years and I'll sign here. I'm very curious to see if this is going to stretch out and into um, other contracts, other signings, other trades. And if other teams are going to be like, hey, like, listen, Dougie Hamilton, we want to offer you eight by eight, but we can't do that. So we can only offer you six by eight. And it's going to be interesting to see how that affects the 2021 uh, offseason market for sure. 
Some other notable news uh, that has just recently been broken is that the Blue Jackets are apparently out on Jack Eichel, which uh, is a bit surprising, but when you hear about the explanation, um, it makes a lot more sense. Apparently, um, Columbus is thinking more rebuild rather than retool, and if I'm being honest with you, I think if you're acquiring Jack Eichel, you're not rebuilding. He's been through that enough. You're looking for a retool, so it makes sense that Columbus is out on Jack Eichel, but uh, another piece of news from the San Jose Sharks um, Evander Kane is uh, reportedly available um, apparently San Jose wants to move on from his contract um, it is a little steep it's seven million dollars per for three more years um, but also apparently there's been some locker room issues with Evander Kane he's obviously a very public uh, individual um, obviously was tweeting about fighting Logan Paul and all that weird stuff so uh, that was surprising um, he is a fairly reliable player I mean 20 goals you, you can count on him for that you know a good feisty player as well but that seven million dollar cap hit for three more years um i do find it tough for san jose and i don't know if there's going to be many suitors for that type of player um which could lead to him being uh traded for a way less than expected package feel free to quote me when uh evander kane goes for a seventh round pick you heard it here first i'm not actually serious i think i could see him going for maybe like a second or a third but uh you'd think a player of his caliber would fetch far more but uh just given the pandemic salary cap situation i just don't see a team paying that much for that high of a salary now the next two pieces of news come from one market and that is the vegas golden knights now these are fairly interesting given vegas just went deep in the playoffs um they obviously lost in the conference finals to who oh yeah the Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> Sorry, I had to throw that in there. But uh, so apparently uh, Vegas did express that they do want to improve their center depth. Um, obviously, Chandler Stevenson is their number one center. They don't really have a true number one center. Uh, apparently, they're in the market for a top six center, which doesn't really surprise anyone. Um, I could see them making another offseason move to acquiring someone. But the second piece of news that kind of relates to that is very surprising if you ask me. Apparently, Marc-Andre Fleury might be on the move. Now, I know it's like, wait, well, what? What? Fleury's been so good for them. He's nominated for a Vesna. Oh my gosh, like what's going on? Apparently, rumblings out of Vegas suggest that due to Vegas's cap constraints and everything going on, if they have to make a decision on which goalie they want to lean with going forward... They may lean towards Robin Leonard, and if they lean towards Robin Leonard, that means Marc-Andre Fleury may be expendable. Now, what's interesting about that is what teams out there decide, you know what, I want to go pick up Marc-Andre Fleury. Um, obviously, the first thing that comes to mind is Pittsburgh, given you know they might not go into a rebuild. They might want to retool and go at it another year. Um, Fleury going back to his old team would be interesting. I don't know what pieces would even go for Fleury at his uh, age and his contract and stuff like that. But another team that's kind of been talked about that would be a little surprising is what if Marc-Andre Fleury is traded to the Seattle Kraken and I know everyone's like wait oh my god that makes sense because yeah it does make sense Vegas obviously captured magic in a bottle with Marc-Andre Fleury you know they acquired him in an expansion draft and then he goes on this incredible couple of years is nominated for a Vesna leads Vegas to a Stanley Cup finals as well as a conference finals and I could see Seattle looking at that and going, you know what? We're going to test our luck with this guy again. Let's go out and trade for him. 
I, I would actually be very uh, intrigued to see what the stats would be on Mark Andre Fleury and if anyone has ever played for two expansion teams in their first expansion year or not. And I think Mark Andre Fleury might be setting a record there. Seattle. Pittsburgh, another team that maybe is looking to get a good goalie to go on a run. Maybe Edmonton, I could see that. But as of right now, um, it's all rumors. Unfortunately, we don't have anything big aside from those two signings. You can't be like, oh my God, Jack Heigl's been traded. Oh my God, Flurry's been traded. Um, but that was it for the 2021 just offseason recap of just some major news that's happened. Um, hopefully, by the time I record the next one, uh, I don't know. Jack Heigl, get traded already. Come on, man. Now on to the final segment of our podcast, you guys. It is the hot pick segment. I'm thinking of turning this into a bit more of, uh, besides hot picks, maybe just doing something along the lines of, uh, like, hey, just submit questions. I answer them. You call me dumb or smart or whatever. Um, but we need to touch upon last week's subjects, of course. Um, the three questions we did have were predict who makes it to the finals. We had Tampa in seven. That was bang on. I had Vegas in six. I'm glad I got that run wrong. It was Montreal in seven. Obviously, we talked about um, the stuff going on with Ovechkin, Hamilton, and Hall. As of right now, none of those three guys have been signed. So we'll still wait and see about that one. And the third question was, will there be another ref gate before the cup is won? Um, there hasn't really been any questionable officiating so far in the final game against the Islanders. That game against Montreal and Vegas was pr fairly uh, refed appropriately. So, so far, so good. Um, I'm, I don't know, though. I don't know. I have a feeling something's going to happen and we're going to get screwed by a ref or something. But moving on to this week's hot weeks, uh, hot picks, um, I did ask uh, a bunch of people to just submit some questions and stuff like that to see uh, what people think and all that stuff. So we have a couple here. First one is uh, from a Montreal Canadiens fan, RCB. He asked, should the Montreal Canadiens re-sign Corey Perry? Now... It depends, I'd say, because in my opinion, 100%, they should sign Corey Perry. Uh, based off of the playoffs he's had, he's amazing. And if you're Montreal, you got to think you have a decent shot going into the playoffs next year. Obviously, your Atlantic division is going to be really hard. I re-sign Perry, but it also depends on what you do with Thomas Tatar. It depends on what you do with other guys like Philippe Danault. If you're signing if you're signing Danault and you're letting Tatar go, I do think it's wise and it's in Montreal's best interest to bring back Corey Perry. Uh, I would try and get him on a friendly deal. Maybe not, maybe more than a mil, but maybe not more than 1.25 or 1.5, something like that. He seems to like it in the Montreal market. So I would do what I would to bring back Corey Perry if you're losing a winger to the UFA uh, market. The second question comes from one of my good friends, uh, Deej. Uh, he's a St. Louis Blues fan, so you won't be surprised by this one once you know that. Should the St. Louis Blues trade away Vladimir Tarasenko? So. This is a bit of an interesting question because uh, I think it really depends on what the Blues decide to do going forward. Vladimir Tarasenko um, has had some injury problems, but he is a very good uh, winger. He's a sniper. He can score some good goals. Not the best defensively, but I mean, his offensive proudness um, is unmatched and he's had some great seasons. It's kind of gotten a bit quieter, but he's still a uh, top 
top six uh, winger for sure. Not top six in the NHL, top six. Like he's on your first or second line right wing on majority of NHL teams, if you ask me. Now, why I say it depends on what St. Louis does going forward is it really depends on what St. Louis decides they want to do moving forward as an organization. If they look in the mirror and say, you know what, we want to have another knock at it. You know what, let's let's retool and reacquire. I don't think you trade away Tarasenko unless you're getting a player of equal value or maybe even more value uh, coming back. If you're going to go on a rebuild, then you're like, you know what, St. Louis, we're blowing it up. Let's go blow the ship off. Let's go everyone off board. Get off the ship. Yeah, you 100% trade away Vladimir Tarasenko. Um, he was rumored in the Matthew Kachuk uh, trades where uh, there was speculation that Matthew Kachuk wanted out of Calgary. But apparently uh, people have been saying that those reports are false. So I don't think Calgary is a fit for him. Where could a team use someone like Tarasenko? I, I don't really know. I think... Uh, if the St. Louis Blues say, hey, Vladimir Tarasenko is available, a lot of teams will start sniffing around and then you'll kind of get a better picture of what teams are better fits. As of right now, I can't really see um, him leaving St. Louis unless St. Louis decides they're going to blow it up. If they do, oh boy, just, just come on, St. Louis, just add to the offseason and just make it that much more fun, please. Next up, Brendan asks, uh, with Owen Power all but saying he's going to return to Michigan next year, do the Sabres pass on him? So... This is an interesting one because the uh, draft class is very weak, but the top 10 does seem very promising. So for a long time, Owen Power was the consensus number one overall pick. But uh, as of recent stuff I've been reading, Matt Bernier's uh, has been coming in as the projected number one overall pick. And I think who Buffalo thinks is better dictates who they're going to pick and what they're going to do um if buffalo trades away jack eichel or if they believe they're going to trade away jack eichel before the 2021 2022 offseason maybe they go for matt bernier's who is a center who played for the michigan wolverines maybe they go that way however if they decide to keep eichel or if they decide you know what we like owen power better then i think they do still draft owen power regardless of if he's going back to michigan for another year because i do believe it is in buffalo's best interest and i do believe they're going to do this i think they need to just blow it up again and I know that's hard for Buffalo fans to hear because Buffalo fans just went through a whole damn rebuild. Now they're sitting there like, oh my God, we got to go through another one. But it is just a dumpster fire over there. Um, I think they just need to just sulk and be crap for a year. Just, you know, play the young guys, let them develop, let Owen Power stay in Michigan and play another year. You know, trade away Eichel if you're going to trade away Eichel and do whatever the hell you have to do. However, if Owen Power is the pick that Buffalo wants to make, I do think that staying in Michigan for another year does not factor away from Buffalo deciding, you know what, I'm not going to take him. And I do think they will take Owen Power with the first overall pick in the NHL entry draft. Now, the last and final question for our hot pick segment. It is a bit of a, not a long one, but it is a bit of an open-ended one. Which team will have the biggest offseason in 2021? Now, that is obviously a very tough question to answer because there are a lot of teams that are out there that are going to be shaking things up. I think Vegas is going to make some moves. I think Toronto is going to make some moves. There's other teams out there that disappointed, like Washington, that could maybe, you know, tinker around and stuff like that. However, I think there are two candidates that I believe are going to have the biggest off seasons, and they are the Philadelphia Flyers and the Edmonton Oilers. Now, when you sit and think about it, 
about it, you can argue, oh, well, you know what? Teams had worse or off seasons or better or worse or embarrassing stories during 2021. But I think those two teams are the teams that need to do the most and for different reasons. Um, if you start off with the Philadelphia Flyers, they obviously had a terrible regression. Um, they missed the playoffs after making it to the conference finals uh, or the second round uh, in the bubble year. I can't remember what it was. But uh, Carter Hart played amazing, amazing in the bubble. Now he's playing terrible. He had a sub-900 save percentage, I believe, in the 2021 season. They're looking for not only a, another goalie. They're looking for a 1B. So they're saying Carter Hart's our 1A. We want a 1B option. What doesn't mean they're going to go for a backup. It means they're going to go for like a Marc-Andre Fleury or a Frederick Anderson or something like that. Could you imagine Marc-Andre Fleury on the Flyers? Oh, my God. Penguins fans would be absolutely triggered. But I do think Philadelphia does need to make some drastic moves, and I think they'll be in a good spot for next year. Um, so I do think they're one of my two candidates for the biggest offseason in 2021. The other one is the Edmonton Oilers, and I think with Edmonton, it's just a simple fact of Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are on your team, yet you still have not won a playoff round with them. Um I'm sure those two guys are frustrated. I don't see Edmonton trading McDavid. I don't see Edmonton trading Dreisaitl. However, I can see if Edmonton doesn't do enough to supplement those guys and make the team around those two better, I would not be surprised if those two start getting fed up and saying, I don't know how much longer I want to be here and rumors of requesting for trades go out and that kind of stuff. So I think Edmonton needs to have a big offseason. They definitely need to get some scoring help for McDavid. They need to bolster their blue line a little bit as well. And I do think acquiring a goalie would not hurt as well. So Edmonton and Philadelphia, you are my two contenders for the biggest offseason in 2021. Now, that is the end of the podcast, you guys. I do apologize. It is a bit of a shorter episode than usual. Um, this week has been hectic with the new Twitch contract I've been signing, as well as planning a trip to go to Montreal. Such uh, So last minute, um, I'm still waiting for tickets. Uh, hopefully, I get to post on Twitter and Instagram and everywhere. Maybe, maybe I'll, you know what? Here, if you guys want an incentive to follow me on Twitch at The Real Chocolate Thunder, if I get tickets to go to game three or four, I'm probably going to live stream during one of the intermissions and chit chat with you guys. I think that would be awesome. But thank you so much for listening to episode two. Take care. Go Habs go. Win the Stanley Cup, baby.